Praise God. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Now, if we believe that, whatever we're facing, whatever obstacle, whatever um, um, opposition that we're facing, we don't have to be afraid. Because God has abundant life for you and for everyone that will turn to Him and trust in Him. And so there should be no fear. If we're trusting God, fear has got to flee. Faith arises, peace and joy and hope begin to settle us into a security that can't be removed. And in these days, that's definitely what people need. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you would just turn and, and wave to somebody and then you can be seated. Hallelujah. God is so good. I am so grateful that I can come to a place like this and I can worship God. You know, we do that everywhere, but it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to be here or be at home tuning in and, and just recognizing you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, it, we're, we're living in some challenging times, aren't we? Does everybody have all the answers? <laughs> no, no, you know... Um, as this year has gone on, we're, we're rapidly heading toward a, a new year. And how many of you are just going to wait up on the 31st and make sure 2020 closes out? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, there, there are years that that's, I'm just like, God, please let it close, let it close. Um, but, you know, I usually around this time, I begin to just spend time with God praying about what, what he has to share with me about the new year, things for me and Debbie, things for, for us as a body of believers. And uh, that started a lot earlier this year because I was not, I, I just was struggling, struggling with what was going on. I mean, there is so much going on, so much that's unfamiliar, uncomfortable, uh, uncertain. And, uh, you know, I, it was difficult, still is. You know, we face things that we don't expect. That, that we don't always understand, at least I don't understand, and, and, but I know what the Scripture says. All right, the Scripture says to us, he who acts, lacks wisdom, let him ask. If you lack wisdom, ask of God, and he'll freely and fully give it to you. So I went to God, and I said, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need understanding. I need, I need something more than what I can get in myself. And... Uh, because I, I'm watching, I'm watching people become very fear-filled, very angry, very divided. You know, it, it's, it's a time of uncertainty as far as medical situations or racial situations, uh, you know, and, and political. Now, we've gone through an election, but, you know, that doesn't mean that everything just goes back to normal. Sometimes we want what was. You know, just let us go back to what was. And, and today we're going to look at this and see how disastrous that can be and what it really robs us of. But as I was praying and asking God, you know, help me understand. Please help me understand because I don't have the capacity to understand the way you understand. And he brought to mind... Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture that I knew. It was familiar. How many of you know you can only be reminded of what's familiar to you? 
All right, so this was familiar, and and I went to it as as I felt directed by God. But as I went to it, I realized immediately that that was the only thing that I had for Him to work with in that moment. But how many of you know when you read Scripture, you can't just read a Scripture and take it out of context. You have to read it with the understanding of what's going on all around it. And so today we're going to go there. We're going to look at some things um, because today's message is titled Good or Best. Now, if I were to ask you, do you want something good? What would your response be? Yeah, absolutely. I want something good. I always want something good. But if I said, do you want what's good or do you want what's best? What would you choose? Obviously, no-brainer. You know, we all know we want what's best, not what's just good. But I have to tell you, many times we settle for good instead of stretching for the best. And, and so with that in mind, I, I went to Isaiah chapter 43, which was familiar to me. And understand, the book of Isaiah is the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets in Israel, uh, that was speaking prophetically to the Israelites in very difficult, troubling, divided times. Not unlike the times we're in today. And so with that, um, th he, there, the, the book is broken down into different parts. This happens to be in the part where there are prophecies and things that are spoken about comforting them and, and encouraging them. So in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 19, this was the scripture that I knew, and, and I've gone to this a lot because, you know, it's just encouraging to me. It says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it? And here's what I just really, you know, just gravitated to. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, in the wilderness, is it an easy place to navigate? No. And so it says, God says, I will. Now, if God tells you he's going to do something, will he do it? You can count on it. He said, I'll make a road. I'll make a pathway, something that's easier to navigate in the midst of very difficult things. I don't know about you, but I need that in this time. Okay? And then he says, I'll make rivers in the desert. What is that? That's an oasis. You know, it's a place where life exists in uninhabitable conditions. I got that word out. That's awesome. Um, but, but, you know, rivers in the desert, um, a, a road away in the wilderness, man, I'm all for that. I need that right now. I need a way to navigate what we're going through today and what's ahead uh, that, that isn't as difficult as if I were just trying to make my own way. And I need to be sustained and refreshed, given life in the midst of very harsh conditions. And, and this is God's promise. But as I read this, I have to tell you something. Um, God really pulled me up short. The Spirit of God. It wasn't that I, I heard these words. I just had impressions. I, had, I was reminded of the Scripture. And when I got to the Scripture, I had a, a hesitation. It was a, kind of a pullback. Don't go, don't go any farther. And then I realized that the Spirit of God was helping me to recognize uh, don't concentrate on this. There's something before this you have to know and you have to do for this to be possible. How many of you know there are conditional things in the Word of God? 
God set them. But if we don't meet the conditions, it's not, not what we can have. And so um, it, it's like tithing. You know, there are promises to a tither, but if we don't tithe, we can't claim the promises. And so in this, I wanted all this. How many of you want this? You want a road in the wilderness? You, you want a river in the desert? You at home? Don't you want the refreshing? Don't you want the path of God to be able, the highway of God to be able to navigate the days that we're in? I need it. And so in this, you know, I, I, I just felt compelled to go back to the verse preceding this because I didn't know it. You know, I selectively memorized Scripture. And, and this was one of those times. So we're going to jump back. But before we do, we need to pray. Because it's important. As much as we know Scriptures, we're aware of what the Word of God says, God can, will never exhaust His Word. You can always learn more even if you know it already. As a matter of fact, some of the most important things you'll learn is what you learn after you think you know it all. And, and so today we're just going to pray. So if you just invite God to speak to your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your plan, your provision, your power, and your purposes being fulfilled in our lives. Today, Father, we look to you. You are the only wise God. And you give wisdom freely and fully. And we need wisdom that comes from above. That will empower us, enable us, to walk as overwhelmingly more than conquerors, impart to us the grace and, and all that's necessary to live this life showing the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God that leads us and guides us into all truth, that teaches us and shows us the way to walk in, in your truth, in your word, in your life. Father, I thank you for using me today to speak to, to the church, Lord, to your bride that you are causing to grow and develop to be the glorious, victorious church without spot or wrinkle. Father, help us not to be just hearers but doers of your word, uh, living our life in line and according to your words of life. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So, going back, the, the, does, before we do that, does anybody know what the preceding verse says? Okay. So, I wasn't alone. I don't feel so bad. Uh, so, going back to verse 18, this is what it says. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider things of old. Well, that's pretty understandable, right? But recognize this. If we're going to have what verse 19 says, this is necessary for us to embrace before we can step into what 19 tells us, what, what the Word of God tells us. And it says, don't remember the former things, nor consider things of old. Now, it's, it's one of those things that oftentimes we're looking back, and when we look back at things, we don't always see as clearly as we think we do. You know, people talk about the good old days. The people that lived in the good old days and really recognized what those days were like don't always see them as good. All right? But it says, don't remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Now, this is not just saying, it doesn't tell you what kind of things. If things were really difficult, do you want to keep remembering them? 
if they're really hurtful, you want to keep dredging up those memories and all of that? Obviously not. And so it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's something we're more readily willing to do, let go of the things that have hurt us, or we should be. Now, we can if we don't operate in forgiveness. Hello? If we don't forgive, we keep that pain, that, that injury uh, close to us. And, and as much as God wants to heal us, he, he can't because we won't let it go. But this isn't just about bad things. It's about good things. How many of you know that, that there are some really good things that we can look back to, but if we keep focused on that, it's hard to move forward? You know, those of you that drove to, to church today, all right, uh, those of you that are sitting at home, you can understand this, but you didn't experience it yet, I don't think, unless you've gone out already. Um, but when you drove to church, you had two things, a couple of things that you were looking at uh, to just get the lay of the land. One was the rearview mirror, whether it was in the, the center of your, your windshield or the two side mirrors. And the other one is the windshield. Now, I know something about you. If you made it here and you drove here, you spent more time looking through the windshield than you did the rearview mirrors. Because if you looked in the rearview mirrors more than the windshield, you wouldn't have made it. And it's true about our lives. If we're looking at the past more than we're looking at the future, we're not going to get where God has for us to go. Because I want you to understand this. And you know this. You know this at home. You know that the Bible says God takes us from glory to what? glory. Do you believe that? So that's a clear indication that wherever you are right now, what God has next for you is better than right now. So why would we ever look back when the best is yet to come? You know why? Because we're deceived. We're, we're, we're looking at something that's going to rob us. Now, I'm not saying we don't we aren't aware of the past. We should learn from the past, but we shouldn't focus on the past. We, we've got to be forward-looking people, looking at God. God's in our past. And by the way, what can you do about your past? Oh, it's sad. But you know one who can redeem it? God. Because he promised he'd work all things for good. So give it to him. Give him your your. Uh, pains, your injuries, the, the bad things, and the good things because we don't want to miss out on the best things that God has for us. And, and John D. Rockefeller said this. He said, it'll be up here on the screen, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. You know, sometimes, well, I would say all the time, if we're going to have the great, we've got to give up what we have you got to give up to go up. And that's where any, any invention that has ever been developed was because somebody, as good as it was, somebody thought there was something better or the best. As a matter of fact, um, I, was, I was looking into, we just bought a new vacuum. And uh, I used it for the first time yesterday. <laughs> and Debbie was very happy. But we got this vacuum, and I started to look in. Before we ever got this, I started to look into vacuums, and, and vacuums, it was very interesting. Did you know that the first vacuums, 
that they arrived at homes on wagons. Yeah, they brought them up by horse-drawn wagons. They would bring in the hoses and they would kind of clean out the houses. Uh, but eventually, they had models that were personal that you could, you could buy and you could have in your house. But get this, it was manual. You had to pump a bellows to create the suction to drive the beater and, and things over the carpet to suck up the dirt. Now, when you think of vacuums, what name comes to mind? Okay, some of you are ahead of me. Hoover, thank you. Thank you. Some of you are right where I need you. <laughs> Hoover, Hoover. But I've got to tell you something. Hoover didn't invent the vacuum cleaner. There was another man, and, and he invented it. He created it, uh, and he had a soapbox in the canister that he used his wife's pillowcase to trap the dirt. And, and you know, again, manual. Ended up getting an electric motor and doing this. But do you know that that type of, of vacuum that Hoover bought from this man... Hoover was actually in the leather business and bought the patents for this vacuum cleaner and continued to develop it, but it stayed pretty much as a canister, and eventually they got an upright, but it was always with bags. The big development was disposable bags. But one of the things about vacuum cleaners, over the course of the life of a vacuum cleaner, the suction decreases until somebody thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. I'm not just happy with good, I want best. And so a man by the name of Dyson, you've heard of him? Some of you already spoke about him. That's the kind we got. Uh, Dyson uh, figured out how to do it without a bag and where the, the suction wouldn't diminish over time. And so he just looked at what was and said, well, that's good, but I want better. So he just quickly threw something together. You think that's the way it happened? 5,000 prototypes. It took him to get where he is right now. Now, is the vacuum cleaner that we're talking about, the Dyson, is that the best that can be? Right now it is, but you know, something could exceed it, and it would become good, but not the best. And that's where we've got to realize that we don't want to settle for just good. We want to stretch for the best because God has whatever we're experiencing. God has even better for you, but not just for you, but through you to all the people around you. God wants you blessed, but he wants you to bless people all around you so they can see him and they can come to know him and experience his love and his goodness and his kindness and his blessing. God blessed Abraham and said, in blessing you, Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing to all people. It was good that Abraham was blessed. But it was best that Abraham received the blessing and then gave the blessing because the Bible says it's better to give than to receive, right? And so we're, we're looking at this and, and we need to see this because today we're struggling and we don't even know it. We're struggling with the fact that we settle for good when God has the best. And we're going to look at the Old Testament. We're going to look at Israel. How many of you know the Old Testament is there for our example? 
it's there to show us. We, we don't spend, you know, a monumental time in the Old Testament. It's there to support what we're learning in the New Testament. You're New Testament believers. It's a New Testament that we need to live out of, but we need to look back and see the examples and what happened so that we can have a fuller picture. But in, in the book of, of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 12, um, it, it tells us about the children of Israel. And it says this, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? So this is when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. Did God bring the Israelites supernaturally out of Egypt? Did he do any miracles? Yes, he did. And so they came out of Egypt. They had experienced some miracles of God. Um, and, and they go on to say, uh, didn't we tell you this would happen? I told you so. Uh, leave us alone, let us be slaves to the Egyptians, it's what? Come on, help me out. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Does, does that make sense to you? Well, it would if you said, yeah, I'd rather be alive than die. But was God bringing them out to die? No. No, God had told them. Where, was, where did God tell them he was going to take them? The promised land. Now, remember last week, Bishop Green shared with us four things that we needed to be aware of. Revelation. What was the second one? Observation. The third one was explanation and then back to revelation. And so the children of Israel had a revelation. God said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. But they began to allow the revelation to be stolen by observation and explanation. And they almost lost what God had for them because they were deceived. Where there's deception, there is loss. And so right here, they're saying, leave us alone. Let us be slaves in Egypt because it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They couldn't see what God had, but what God had was better than they could imagine or dream because they were going to the promised land. And the promised land was a land that God said was flowing with what? Milk and honey. As a matter of fact, when the spies came back from the promised land, they carried some fruit back one of the, the types of fruit that they carried back were grapes. Does anybody know how they carried them back? Yeah, they had to put poles on two grown men's shoulders to carry these grapes back. They had to be quite the grapes or they looked like idiots. I mean, if they had the grapes that I get from Price Chopper, if Debbie and I were carrying Price Chopper grapes out of Price Chopper on a pole between us, do you think anybody would wonder? <laughs> Absolutely. But these guys are carrying grapes back from the promised land because it was so magnificent. The best. They had not experienced the best, and yet that's what God was, was giving them an inclination and an understanding. This is what I have for you. This is my plan for you. This is my promise for you. This is my provision for you. And they're saying, but, you know, let, let, it's better for us to be slaves. Deception. About to lose something. About to lose something. Now, when they said this, you need to know where they were. They had just come out of Egypt. 
they were right at the edge of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh and all his army had come up behind them. So they're in the proverbial between the rock and the hard place, right? They can't go through the sea and they're not going to survive if the army gets a hold of them. But God did something supernatural. God put darkness between Israel and the Egyptian army. And it was all dark in the Egyptian army area where they couldn't even move, but it was light with Israel. Supernatural? I haven't seen that ever before. Neither had they. God's, again, showing himself strong on their behalf. God has best for them. And they're saying, well, we need to go back. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, it's better for us to be slaves than, than, than die in the wilderness. And yet, in just a short time, what's about to happen? Anybody know what's about to happen? What? Say it. Yeah, the sea's going to part. The parting of the Red Sea. Now, verse 19, remember that? Behold, I do a new thing. It will spring forth. Will you not see it? Right here. Right here they're saying, you know what, let's go back. And they were almost robbed of the best God had for them. Because of their focus, they're looking back. They're, they're not holding in their hearts what God had said, I'm going to bring you into this land. And they're just about to lose one of the most well-known miracles of the Bible. What a bunch of crazy people. No different than us. Peter, when he began to sink, sink when he walked on the water, how close was he to Jesus? Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him up. We're so close. So often we're so close to the best that God has, and yet we give up. We look back. We turn back, we go back, and we settle for good or what's familiar or what's comfortable. You know, I was listening to my pastor, Pastor Jonathan, and he was sharing a message. And he was talking about, uh, I think the message was uh, the price versus comfort. And, and I heard the Spirit of God in me. I just heard this bubble up in me. Comfort or Christ? What do you want? Because we have made comfort such an idol, such a goal in our society that we're not willing to stretch. We just want to be comfortable. We want to rest. We want to settle into the good instead of stretch for the best. Any athlete, were they, were they willing to settle for just what was good? You know, these, these premier athletes that you see, you, we cheer them on, we, we idolize them at times, but wh whatever sport they're in, these are people that chose to stretch for the best they could be. And, and we need to understand that there is, there is a need to not settle for good anymore. God has the best. The best is yet to come. Do you believe that? But you and I will not experience that if we're not willing to stretch. If we're not willing to let go what's behind. Let go of the good to go for the great. 
Because God has the greatest things ahead. The greatest time for the church, you, the church of Jesus, the greatest days are ahead for you. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about seeing revival like we have never heard of or seen before. But God, with God, all things are possible. And so these people, these people were about to lose out on the best. It's, it's not hard to do. It's easy for all of us to possibly do that. And, and again, watching these people a little farther on in Exodus chapter 16. When we look in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 1 through 3 in the message translation, this is what it says. On the 15th day of the second month after they had left Egypt. So they're a, long, a little bit longer and farther out. They've gone through the Red Sea. They're, they're now seeing the, the hand of God, the provision of God, the power of God, the, the best that God has for them. Uh, they're out there in the wilderness and, and they say the whole company of Israel moved on to Elam, to the wilderness of Sin, which was between Elam and Sinai. The whole company of Israel... Now, this is everybody complained against Moses and Aaron there in the wilderness. The Israelites said, why, did God, why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? Does, does, I don't know about you, but for me, this is like, are you kidding? They want to go back to Egypt because it was comfortable. Was it? Anybody remember what it was like before they left Egypt? Man, they cried all night out to God. They're crying and crying and things are getting, were they getting better as time went on in Egypt or worse? Right. And yet, they have been so deceived in looking back, they think it was comfortable. You know, sometimes we look back and we don't see what was really, really there. We see just portions, just areas we just want to look at, but we don't want to look at the whole picture. And I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter what you look at that's back in the past. You know, sometimes people look at the Bible and say, gosh, I wish I lived in those days to see the miracles and all that. I want you to realize that the miracles that God has in store for the church to walk in in these days and the days until we go on to be with the Lord or the Lord returns are going to cause those miracles back there to look like nothing. Please understand this because there's a lot at stake. What's at stake is our being deceived into thinking, well, I'll just settle for what this, what this is. And God's saying, no, stretch for what I have for you. I has not seen nor ears heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What he has prepared for you is something that would blow your mind. And it's going to show the people of the world who God is and who God's people are. That's you. That's not just a select few. That's for everyone. But we have to be willing not just to settle for good. We need to stretch for great. Because God has the greatest things ahead for you. And so they were going to die in comfort. Go back to comfort. No, what was ahead of them? The promised land. 
Something that was beyond anything anyone could imagine. So they go on, and, and we're going to get to another portion of Scripture, but Stephen Covey, a man who wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, said this. He said, the enemy of best is often the good. We just become complacent. We become settled in. We, we become stagnant. God has for us to go from glory to glory, faith to faith. That means that there's always a stretch. But understand this, whatever stretch, whatever sacrifice, whatever it takes, it's always more than worth it. Because what God does is beyond anything man could do. And everything God does is the best. And so we need to be very aware. We need to be very intentional. We need to be very cognizant of the fact that am I just settling for what's good, what's, what's familiar, what's comfortable? Or God, am I really stretching out there to, to be your best and see your best? In Numbers, these same people, in Numbers chapter 32, we're going to look at them again. Because now they've gone through the wilderness they're at the very edge of the promised land. Some of the Israelites have already gone into the promised land. But amazingly enough, now whose who's, who's promised land was it? It was Israel's, but who gave them the promise? God. And what God showed them was this land is not like any other land. This land is the best land for you. But in this situation, we find this. It says the families of Reuben and Gad had huge herds of livestock. They saw the country of Jazir and Gilead was just the place for grazing livestock. So they came, the families of Gad and Reuben, and spoke to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the leaders of the congregation saying, go ahead, that the country, the, the country that God laid low before the community of Israel is a country, what? Just right for livestock, and we have livestock. Makes sense, doesn't it? This is just right for, for livestock, and we have livestock. Now, they were not in the promised land. They were on the edge of the wilderness and also the edge of the promised land. Too many Christians are, are on the edge. You're so close to what God has, the best God has for you. But you got to stretch. you got to go out of your comfort zone. you got to choose to go in to where God has. Now, uh, this, this verse, the second part of this verse, uh, the New Living Translation says, writes it as, it was ideally suited for their flocks and herds. How many of you know the enemy will, will offer you something that looks like it's just right? But how many of you know he's a liar? And as much as it appears like it's just right or it's the best for you, the only one that has the best for you all the time is who? God. Every good and perfect gift, the best, comes from your heavenly Father. And so we, we need to recognize God has the best. But that's where they're, they're starting to, what are they starting to do? They're starting to observe, gosh, this is really good land for grazing, for, for flocks and herds. And, and, hey, bing, the light bulb goes on. We have flocks and herds, so this must be our place. 
They're giving an explanation why they need to stay outside the promised land. They thought they were really wise. They were really doing a smart thing. But whenever we go crossways to what God has, no matter how smart it appears, it is not. And so they, they said, if you think we've done a good job so far, give us this country for our inheritance. Don't make us go across the Jordan. Don't make us go into the promises of God. Seriously, that's what they're saying. Don't make me go into the fullness of what God has for us. Let me settle here. It looks really good. How many of you know the last sin that you committed? It seemed really good. If you aren't going to be honest with you, you're really in trouble. Because all of us, whenever we look at sin, there's an appearance of good to us. It looks like it's going to be good. But God's already told us that sin has pleasure for how long? A season. Usually it's pretty short. But what it ends up bringing to our lives is what? Death. And so no matter what sin it is, it's not going to bring the best to our lives. It's going to rob us of the best God has for us. And that's where we have to, we have to keep our focus on God, keep our trust in God. Be aware. I can't, I can't be looking all around. I've got to look at God. I've got to choose to be uncomfortable and stretch as God has for me to stretch for the best God has. Because when God brings you the best, then you can bring the best to others. But then God will renew and bring more that's better than what you had before so you can bring better to the people around you than before. I'll tell you, my life is not what it used to be. My life is better than it's ever been. Now, it's not the easiest it's ever been. But God has been so good and allows me to share that goodness with other people. You know, it, it's, it's amazing how, how generous and how faithful God is. But there's no exhausting his generosity. He wants to continue to be generous to you, his people. But right here, we see they're, they're balking at the plan and the provision of God. Because this is good. This is really good. As a matter of fact, this is so good, I can't imagine anything better. But aren't we supposed to trust in the Lord with our whole heart and lean not to our own understanding? In all ways, look to Him, acknowledge Him, seek Him, and He'll direct your steps. And where's God going to guide you? Was God the one that guided the Israelites to 40 years in the desert? Well, in, in, in essence, he did, but he didn't cause it. The reason why they walked 40 years in the wilderness was because they wouldn't believe the best that God had for them. And they looked at something, the cities, the giants, themselves, and they were willing to settle for less than the best. And so they 
caused themselves to walk for 40 years. God didn't leave them in all those 40 years. God was there. But God was set on bringing them into the best. And some of them never made it. But God has for you to make it. God doesn't want you to keep walking around in the wilderness. God wants you to enter into the fullness of the best that God has for you and continue to experience his best. But you can't keep looking back. You can't keep looking around. You've got to keep your focus on God. That, that awareness, that, that connection with God that's so incredibly important for us to keep fresh, to experience the best. And you know, this is not just an Old Testament principle. This is what the Apostle Paul talked about. When we look in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul says this. My dear family, this is in the uh, New Testament for Everyone translation. My dear family, I don't reckon that I have yet overtaken it, but this is my one aim. To forget everything that's behind and to strain every nerve to go after what's ahead. Paul had a lot that were great accomplishments in the eyes of the world that he was letting go. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of Jews. He was educated. He was experienced. He was highly respected in, in the religious community. But he said, no, I'm letting all that go because there's something better. Please, please, I don't know how to do this any other way. Please hear what God's saying to you. No matter how good you have it right now, God has even better. Because he wants your life to continue to be blessed so that you can continue to be a blessing to the people around you. It goes on to say, I strain every nerve to go after what's ahead. I mean to chase on towards the finishing post. To chase it. You know, when, when you chase after something, is it just a stroll? No. And we need to see this was, this was important. He was willing to, to put forth effort to maybe appear foolish. Because in those days, Jewish men didn't run. That was a no-no for Jewish men. You don't run because you don't need to be in a hurry for anything. That's why it's so amazing with the prodigal son's father where he ran to him. That was a disrespect to himself. But it showed he didn't care about himself. He cared about his son. And Paul's saying, I don't care about what everybody else thinks. I'm running for God. I'm stretching. I'm pressing. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And he goes on to say, we're the prize waiting for me. There's a prize. It's not just any prize. It's the best God has is waiting for you. And what is it? The upward call of God and King Jesus. The upward call. Now, some translations say the high call. If it's a high call or an upward call, does anything coast uphill? No, it takes effort. If you're going to go uphill, you have to put forth more effort than what you currently are putting forth because you're going up. 
But understand, when you're going up, it's worth it. When we're going up into the best that God has, it's worth it. Whatever you sacrifice, whatever you surrender, See, it's hard to, it's really hard for us here right now because we live in this life and it's all we know. But God's promised us about what's ahead. We don't know what's ahead tomorrow, but God does. And the plans God has for you are for good, not for evil, with a, a future. And a hope, a confident expectation of good. Your tomorrow, as much as it's Monday, right? We all love Mondays. Some of you are like, no, I don't like Mondays. Can I tell you, tomorrow, God has planned for it to be the best Monday you have ever lived. Isn't that amazing? God, God has the best Monday. But you know what? Some of you are like, I don't know if I could believe that. If you don't believe it, you won't see it. You got to believe it before you receive it. And, and as great as Monday that God has, now, does that mean that you aren't going to have some challenges? People aren't going to be ugly? You aren't going to have some obstacles and opposition and, and some battles? No, you're going to have all that. But God said you're overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. So if you haven't seen the victory of Jesus, it's not done unless you quit. And don't quit because God is taking you into the best. God's taking you into the best. The upward call. God has something even better. Going from glory to glory and as, as good as tomorrow's going to be. I'm, I'm working you over. But as good as tomorrow's going to be, God has Tuesday to be even better. I know it's tough to wrap our brains around this, but really God has for us to go from glory to glory. And it doesn't mean without battles. If you didn't have battles, you'd have no victory celebrations. And I'll tell you, it'd be a pretty boring life if all we did was, well, eat, Sleep, go to work, eat, sleep, go to work. What? What? Some of you are like, I'd like a little bit of that. That, that may be because you're tired. You're weary. But the Bible says don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, due season, God has a due season for you. God has a due season for your breakthrough. To enter into the next Level the next phase, the next, next aspect of the best life he has for you. That abundant life. But you got to keep pressing. you got to keep stretching. You can't settle in and say, well, you know, this is pretty good. I'm comfortable. Because if you do, you're going to lose God's best. And God, God's best is far beyond anything we can comprehend. We don't, don't give up your future because of your past. Don't let the past rob you. Don't let the good rob your best. Because not only do you need it, we need you to experience God's best. Because we need to watch you overcome. We need to watch you continue 
to, to stretch and grow and experience God's best. The world needs to see God's best. And in these days, the days we live in are the days of the glory of God. It's the glory in the church. It's the glory in you because you continue to allow God's best to be your determined goal. Your determined goal. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs in two places, there's a way that seems right or good to man whose end is the way of death. Don't let good rob you of God's best. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Now we're going to, next week, we're going to look at what this priest, this this. This scripture we looked at today, verse 18, we're going to look at verse 19 and see what, what is this? What is this that God's saying? Because I really believe God is saying this to the church, saying it to us. I know he's saying it to me, but I don't want to be just, this is mine, all mine. I want it to be ours. I, I believe this is God's word for the church, but that is what we're going to look at next week. But if you're, you're here, either here in, in person or you're online and, and You've heard some things that kind of strike you and, and make you wonder, would God do that for me? I want you to know that he has done that for you and wants to have you be willing to turn to him and trust in him so that he can continue to fulfill his plan in you, plan for good and not for evil with a future full of hope. So with everyone's head bowed, if you have never turned to and trusted in Christ, repented of your sin and received his forgiveness and invited him to be your Savior, I, I, I'm going to invite you to pray with me today. And I'd like to pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world lived a sinless life, went to the cross in my place and died for my sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are the Savior. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Guide me. And govern me from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're here, tell somebody before you leave. If you're online, go to the website, reslifeny.org, and go down to the prayer request. Let us know that you prayed. Uh, you don't have to leave your name. Just let us know. We'll be praying for you. But if you leave your name and if you leave a number, we'll give you a call. We'll be able to pray with you. And we will be praying for you. Recognize it this week. What's tomorrow? The best Monday you have the opportunity to live. You know, some of you, you're going to have to really, really stretch your faith to believe that. But you know what? We're supposed to live by faith anyways. Um, as, as I was preparing for this today... I felt like God was reminding me of a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray this prayer over you. 
um, because it, it's very much in line with what we've, we've heard today uh, because we need to see things with new eyes. You know, if we just look the way we've always looked, we're going to see what we've always seen. But how many of you know God's doing a new thing? Will you not know it? So this prayer comes out of Ephesians chapter 1, and, and the Apostle Paul prays this. So I'm praying this for you. You just receive this. Uh, that the Lord, our Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints is, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards you who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom, for wisdom and understanding and revelation in our lives from the truth of your word and the spirit of grace. That, Father, we would no longer walk by our sight or by our feeling, even as we sang the beginning of this service. Let it be so in our lives. Let it not just be a song or a vocalization. Let it be implemented in our lives that we walk by faith, which is focused on you and trusting in you and relying on you, which is always going to cause us to change and stretch. Stretch from where we are to what you have for us to be. Which we wouldn't recognize, but you have already seen. That, Father, we would truly be going from faith to faith and glory to glory. That we would no longer settle. We'd recognize when, when we have a, a sense to settle, settle for good. But, Father, we'd be stretching, which is just another word for growing. For the best. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys are blessed. The ushers are going to dismiss you in an orderly form. Watch them and they'll guide you out. Um, recognize that God has the best yet to come for you. Amen. Amen. See you next week.